Hey everybody, it's Richie, and before we begin another episode of Sporty with Corey and Richie here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we of course got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings, DraftKings.com, and the DraftKings app. Basketball season won't be around forever, so you got to get in on the action right now. The Suns and the Jazz just play one of the best games of the basketball season so far. The Suns came out on top. And when you download the app, you can use the promo code THPN during sign-up to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. All you have to do for daily fantasy basketball is just pick your lineup, stare at the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. That's DraftKings.com, the DraftKings app, promo code THPN. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. (laughs) On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. I hope you loved our extra special long and drawn out intro there. Uh, We're feeling a little bit loopy tonight because we just had to watch that atrocious game against the Kings. But, um, you know, what's new? I actually did watch um, the end of the Suns game because of that and um, learned some new things about basketball like I always do. So, you know, I guess there's a win. There's a bright light in everything in this world at some point or another. But so we can get into all of the nitty-gritty details of how much it really sucked that the Coyotes lost against the Kings on Sunday night, or Sunday night, on Wednesday night, losing my days. Um, I have to introduce first, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. Hello, Corey. You know, I actually spent most of the time of the third period of the Kings and Coyotes game on Wednesday night watching the Suns and Jazz game. And it was way more entertaining, for that matter. Like, to me, the Wednesday night was the epitome of Phoenix sports, right? It, you had the you had the highest of highs with the Phoenix Suns beating the Utah Jazz on national television, a showdown of two of the best teams in the NBA this year with the best record and second best record in the entire NBA. And you had the Suns getting a win in overtime of that game, Devin Booker and Chris Paul absolutely went off for the Phoenix Suns. Then you had the opposite end of that, and you had the Arizona Diamondbacks shit the fucking bed again. That team is going to be a goddamn disaster to watch all summer long. They lost, I believe it was 8 to nothing. To I was going to say, it was 8 to nothing when I saw it. Because I was thinking to myself, because I saw that tomorrow's um, a 12-10 start, and uh, and, and I, I used to work for the team, so I, I saw that there was... D-backs live at 1130. I'm like, oh, look, a, a nice 12-10 start. It's, like, weird because it's, like, this weird place I get into in my head, like, when I used to be working the games. But um, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, how nice and, and refreshing um, because when you're working them, you get kind of tired of the night games. So I was like, oh, that's very refreshing. And uh, I should watch that while I'm working tomorrow. And then I saw what the score was today, and I thought to myself, you know what? Never mind. I don't think I'm going to touch that with a 10-foot stick because 
eight to zero is not how I want to be spending my day tomorrow. I don't blame you. Oh, and on top of the eight nothing loss, they also lost their best player, Cattell Marte, got hurt running to first base, and they still don't know what happened to him. Tori Lavello was explaining that like he was kind of felt something in his hamstring, so he tried to slow up and stop to try not hurt himself more, and he may have just have done just that and hurt himself more. And we have no idea what's going to happen with him. It looked pretty bad watching it live. And so that was like the worst of the worst as far as that goes. And then the Coyotes were right in the middle of that, which is you had some good stuff for the first two periods. You had a two-goal leader in the third period, and then you just forget how to play hockey in the third period, and you'll lose 4-3 to three to the L.A. Kings, who haven't been playing well as of late. And so it was like it was like a, the triple decker of Phoenix Sports on Wednesday. Hot, the high, the super low, and the and the mediocre <laughs> all in one night. Mediocre is always the best way to explain it. I feel like mediocre is basically how we like live our lives in Arizona. When it comes to our sports, especially, that's one hundred percent true. Because, especially with the Coyotes, how many times have we used that word over the last couple months talking about this team? Is this team isn't as good as we think they are, and this team also isn't as bad as we think they are. They're somewhat in the middle, and they're kind of in that sandwich, right? They're not as good as those top three teams in the West Division. They're not as bad as the as the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks are either. And so they're kind of right in the middle there with the St. Louis Blues sandwiched in the middle. And that's kind of what they are. And they proved that again tonight, the Coyotes did, which is like they're still there's still a way to go with this team in a way. And and we're really going to find out more about this team as they now have – they're hanging on to a three-point lead for the fourth spot in the West Division over the St. Louis Blues right now. The Blues actually beat the Golden Knights on Wednesday – and that's who the Coyotes play next for the next two games is the Golden Knights. So they're going to be kind of pissed coming off of a loss. And so it's uh, the Coyotes now are, are in test mode. Like they were flying high there for three games, seven and three over the last over the last ten games. They actually have one of the best points percentages in the league across their last. 10 games or so, they have the ninth best point percentage, 700 or 700 points percentage over the last 10 games. So they're still rolling along pretty well, but I feel like they're in, in for a wake-up call coming up here against the Golden Knights. And at this at this point, you just got to find a way to stay competitive in, those, in some of these games coming up. Even if you don't win them, try and pick away some points here and there and just stick around in the race as long as you possibly can and just hope that the blues <laughs> and the San Jose Sharks continue to fall apart. Like we talked about in the last week's episode, they have a lot of games against Vegas and against Colorado. And then maybe that's where the Coyotes are able to make up the points. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's the, the biggest problem here, right? Is the fact that the, this was a game that the Coyotes wanted to and needed to win it was 
one that they were basically kind of expecting to win uh, so much to the point that, you know, most of us, I think, were probably thinking, okay, after this, the Coyotes are going into, as you said before, two games against Vegas, then a game against Colorado, Minnesota, and then they will finally be playing back at home against St. Louis and then Minnesota again twice before they are up against the Kings again. There's a nice long stretch in there where they're going to be playing uh, formidable teams uh, and they're not going to be really, you know, in situations where they can get easy wins. So this was kind of that last point where they were going to be able to kind of roll through it and be able to get some well-needed points now they're actually going to have to pull out one of these games and i am just not certain which one in particular uh that they're really going to be able to do it was interesting um i i saw that colorado lost tonight and it was lost to minnesota i believe it was like eight to three or something like that let me let me get the actual oh how did i remember that um so you know it's not it's not crazy to believe that um you know the coyotes can't win one of these games but i mean and i didn't watch that game but something crazy had to have happened because i mean the Wild only had 19 shots on goal to the Avalanche's 32, and they had three goals in the first, uh, two in the second, and three in the third. So, so something was was quite a miss there in that game. But um, you know, people do have off nights, and there is situations where you can try and gain some of those points, especially against some of those higher teams. However, it's just not as easy and it won't be particularly um, in their favor in the fact of the way that they've been playing. But then at the same time, if they're playing the way they're playing today, which is getting a lead and then completely blowing it because they're playing defensively, maybe it will be better that they'll be playing a team that is a lot um a lot more formidable against them because they seem to be kind of falling back on their heels. And I don't know if that's because they went into a third game that was a little bit easier for them. And so they weren't taking it as seriously. Uh, I kind of wonder the same thing is that they kind of got too high on their laurels there and they just kind of mailed it in in a way in the third period. Because they're like, oh, yeah, this is the Kings. We're rolling right now. We got this. Easy peasy. We know we got Aiden Hill in net for us. We should be able to kind of cakewalk through this game. And then as they were looking ahead to the to the tougher schedule ahead. And unfortunately, it went haywire really quickly for them. And all, you know, all the players, you know, Rick talked after the game, they were all kind of saying the same thing, which is like, you know, we're pissed about this. We did not play well in the third period. We were making too many mistakes defensively. We didn't get enough from some of our top players in the third period. And I I tweeted that out too. And I want to get your opinion on it. 
we've talked about so often this season how the Coyotes have a scoring problem with their bottom six. That was leading to a lot of losses because, yeah, their top guys were scoring, but they weren't getting any help from anybody else. And tonight, they got help from everybody else except their top line, right? They had three goals tonight, the Coyotes. Lawson Kraus, Ilya Labushkin, and Johan Larson were your goal scorers. Ilya Labushkin, congratulations, his first career NHL goal after earlier this season seemingly scoring his first goal, but then was then I believe credited to someone else after the fact. And so you get big games from guys who aren't normally your goal scorers. Lawson Kraus, Ilya Labushkin, and Johan Larson again. And two more assists from Jacob Trickern, I might add. But then your top line, your top unit, goes missing, right? Connor Garland did have a point in this game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or actually, he did not. He did not, sorry. But you can't have your top players go missing. And I don't know if you saw the same thing, too. A couple of plays to me stood out, and they were both from Clayton Keller, where a couple of times, Corey, he had some breakaways or partial breakaways, and one of them was completely clean, and he kind of he got a shot away, but it wasn't really the best. And another one, he was going one-on-one with Drew Doughty off a beautiful pass from Johan Larson to set him up, and he, he ended up kind of pulling it back. And the Coyotes really didn't get anything out of it. And I think that was kind of the encapsulation of of the Coyotes' effort from their top six in this game, which was like, they just kind of disappeared for a lot of long stretches in the game. And all they needed was just one, one big play from one of those top six players, whether it be your your Kellers or your Aubrey Larsons or your Phil Kessels, and they just didn't get it. They just didn't get that extra goal that they needed to really put the Kings away. And I thought for a minute that they had it. When Johan Larson scored and they went up 3-1, to one, I was like, man, maybe 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 that's enough to put this Kings team away. And it wasn't. And they just needed that fourth goal and they just didn't get it. And it's unfortunate. And and now, um, now it's a wake-up call as you head on to playing some of these bigger teams like you were kind of talking about. And... And now you, you now you're back into that place they were a week ago, which is like what what does this team want to be? Does this team want to be a playoff team? It's there. All they got to do is take it, and they didn't take it tonight. They gave it away, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, and that's it, it's so traditionally Coyotes in the fact that they get so complacent, as we we're saying, in the fact that they they get this lead and they start to play this more more defensive more laid back game where they they're they're not being as aggressive and whenever the coyotes are not necessarily being aggressive is never a good look for them you could see a momentum switch about halfway through this game uh there was there was talk that drew daddy had gone into this game talking about how um talking to his team about how the fact that they really needed to step up and actually play in this game because of the fact that they they looked lazy and they didn't really look there before um before the previous game so he'd given them that pep talk it didn't really seem to look like it was really encouraging um the kings through probably about the first half of the game the second half of the game it seemed to be that the coyotes were then resting upon their laurels and the kings instead started really kind of taking over and that 
is when the coyotes have a, a really big problem. It's it's essentially kind of in the same way, you know, when, when your doctor's telling you to take your, your pain medication proactively because once the pain sets in, it's hard to get it back out. It's the same thing with the coyotes. Once the... Um, once they start falling behind in the game, it gets extremely difficult for them to catch that step back up. And then you start seeing um, them make some kind of dumb mistakes and, um, you know, whether it's it's large ones or small ones, it could be too, the, literally they're trying to enter the zone and instead of dumping the puck in, they end up uh, shooting it over the glass uh, or they are only taking perimeter shots. That's that's one of their biggest issues all the time is they are, they're not actually setting up plays. They're just flinging pucks at the net. You see a start, uh, a situation of, um, of uncomfortability and panic that sets in before they actually get to a point of, you know, getting their stride back. So it's quite difficult for them once they fall behind in these games. And it was kind of the prime example of them falling back into old bad habits in this game. And and it just was really unfortunate to see. I think um, another thing that was that another stat that was kind of sad to see too is, is their faceoff percentage was only at 39.2% to um, the 60.8 uh, given, um, one thing that the 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 knights have the kings, kings knights blah blah blah. They're both K's. Why are they both K's? Um, the the thing the kings have going for them is they they have um, you know centers who can win faceoffs. But in these situations where you end up going into a um, into the last you know minute of the game and you it's very important for you to be winning these. Uh, face-offs in the offensive zone when your goaltender has been pulled and, you know, you're up against Andre Kopitar, which is extremely difficult to win those face-offs. You still have to be winning them because you have to be possessing the puck in the zone while you're there and your goalie has been pulled. So there's a lot of just little things that the Coyotes have that are just, I don't think they will ever really fully be there. And I think part of it is this team. There's a lot of um, Frankenstein pieces that have been put together. And, it, and occasionally, you know, we all scream, you know, it's alive. But in, in all reality, there's a lot of broken pieces that kind of keep falling off. And I, I swear it becomes more noticeable than we would like it to be and and more often than we would like it to be. That's such a great analogy. That is such a great analogy because I feel like that's something that, you know, I mentioned, I believe, on the show last week, right, where this team is in kind of a transition period. And I think it was on last week's show where I was like, you know, if they make the playoffs this year, cool. They're going to get beat by Colorado in the first round. So for me – it's trying to figure out what does this team want to be next year and moving forward rather than just making it to the first round this year. And again, the trade deadline's coming up on Monday. And I think your Frankenstein example is the perfect analogy here, which is there are broken pieces here. And it's up to Bill Armstrong to fix them. Is he going to fix them at the trade deadline? Probably not. I don't think the Coyotes are going to be adding any players at the trade deadline. Will we see players possibly moved out I I I think that's what Bill Armstrong still needs to do and I know I've mentioned that before and it's a hard pill to swallow for a team 
who is still three points up in the playoff race, who was a win away tonight from keeping that five-point cushion over the St. Louis Blues. But if Bill Armstrong's smart, he will try and move on from all these expiring con- contracts. And we'll talk about this again probably on the Sunday episode or, or the, on the Monday episode, which is on the day of the trade, de- trade deadline. And we will get a clearer picture, I think, of where this team wants to be after these two Vegas games and where they shape up headed into the final. Because how many games are left in the season now? I don't have the standings up in front of me at the moment. But it's it's right now I believe there's 17, maybe 16 games left. So – after these Vegas games, you're looking at 15, 16 games left in the season. And you're really going to be at a defining point in the season. Are they going to be in the playoffs? 15. Or be, yeah, 15. Thank you. Are they going to be in the playoffs or are they going to be out of the playoffs? Are you going to be in the driver's seat that makes up your own destiny? Or are you going to be a team that's going to have to chase? And this team, as we learned tonight, and the perfect example is that, is losing faceoff. If they're the team chasing like they were for it felt like, that they were the team that was playing from behind for the most part in that third period, that's when this team gets into trouble. So, again, we're looking at a week ahead that is going to be very important for this team, not only for this season but for next season and for the couple years ahead because as I've been thinking about this over the last 48 hours or so after the that win against L.A. on Monday, which is – how often did we talk about earlier this season whether or not Rick Tockett was going to be back? And you and I brought the, the point that at some point, if he makes the playoffs, well, maybe he keeps his job. And then they went into a lull and we're like, okay, well, maybe he probably isn't coming back. And I'm still, I'm still at the point to me that even if he does make the playoffs, I still think it's time for a change because this team is going to be in a transition period over the next couple seasons. And... Rick Tockett kind of got them to the precipice, but I think he's gotten the most out of this team, and it'll be time to move on in the offseason from from Coach Tockett. Even though, again, I like Rick, I like Rick Tockett. He got this team to the playoffs for the first time in nearly a decade last season. That's, that's a very important thing to do. He's got them back in the playoff race again this year. But, again, I think it's one of those times where we, we should be pumping the brakes after this loss. It's not the end of the world by any means. They're still in the, they're still in the play, in a playoff spot right now, but it just kind of feels like dire straits in a way. So, like, I don't know if we should be, like, if I should be telling fans, like, chill out or, like, jump off a ledge. I feel like I'm st- straddling that line right now and not making any sense. Um, I mean, first, first of all, I, I – I cl- clearly can't count it's 16 games i i counted it again i for some reason skipped the uh other kings game that we have left this season um they're just sitting there over in the corner i just ignored them but um but i don't know if necessarily i would say that you should jump off the cliff maybe maybe take a, a nice hang glider off the cliff you know just try and like lay back and enjoy the ride type of a thing you know it, it's at this point you can't expect anything big from the coyotes you can't expect them to go into the playoffs and make this really strong push and really look good that's not what any of us expected um i also wouldn't say that you need to like abandon all hope either it they're as we started off by saying they're they're an average team, especially average in this 
division that they're in. So it's it's enjoy enjoy the wins while you get them. Basically, it's kind of the way you have to put it and not take the rest of it too seriously because you can't really expect too much out of this team. I mean, there is there is a lot of bright sides to this team. They were coming off two games where um, where two players had hat tricks and I was hoping for the hat trick of hat tricks with three games in a row there. Um, but it, so you have to enjoy the good things as they come and realize when, when the bad things come that it's, it's very normal coyotes and this team is not built for success. They're just built to be there for a good time. They're like a one night stand. You, you enjoy them while you got them, but it's not anything that's going to last. <laughs> that's funny. That's really good. You have some great one-liners tonight and great, great analogies. Thank you. <laughs> way better, way better than mine. So I have, I have some more good news here for the Coyotes. Can I give you some more good news? Because I feel like after you get beat by the Kings, we need some cleansing. Yeah, you got to take it while it comes. Yeah. So, um, Jacob Chikrin is inevitable. I tweeted that out at Corey underscore Richie show earlier tonight. He had two more assists tonight and he set a little bit of a Coyotes record. Jacob Chikrin became the third different Coyotes defenseman to collect multiple points in three straight games. Joining Keith Yandel, who's done it, who did it twice. He did it in 2013, 2014 and 2010, 2011 and Oleg Tverdovsky, who did it in 1997-98. First of all, eat your heart out, all of the people who are the Yandel haters. Like to point that out. And second, way to go saying that name. Oleg Tverdovsky, you know how I, because I remember watching him play when I was a kid. It just, but it just, I still would have tongue-tied it i couldn't i was even tongue-tying literally saying kings earlier because i wanted to say knights <laughs> i don't know why it just so some people's brains don't work properly that way i was just saying that's that's quite impressive it's kind of cool that um you, as much as people hate on keith yandel this is also you know if that that's the trajectory that Jacob Chikrin's going on, I wouldn't hate it, honestly. Oh, yeah. Chick Norris, baby. Chick Norris. Get on the train. Get on the train for Jacob Chikrin this year as he has seven points in his last three games, which is which is pretty freaking legit. So I have a, I have some, a little bit more good news for Coyotes fans as to try and keep the last ten games in context here. As I mentioned, they have 14 points in their last 10 games. But one of the things that's been most impressive about this team over this little stretch of games here is that they've been scoring so much more, which I did not expect from this team, who was struggling so mightily for pretty much the entire season to score goals. Their offense was even worse than last year for a stretch of the season so far. But over the last 10 games, since March 20th, they have a um, 
goals per game average over the across the last 10 games, which is the fourth best in the entire NHL since March the 20th. Did you ever expect that the Coyotes would be one of the top goal scoring teams in the league over any stretch of time? Because that's pretty wild. Absolutely not. Not even remotely. It's funny because I I keep on um, talking with Scotty about um, I've I've been not wanting to bring it up on the pod because of the fact that um, I've already stirred up enough shit with Vegas, so I I don't want to stir up more shit with them. But uh, he brought up the fact that uh, he brought up the fact that you know they thought that the Coyotes would be dead last, and what did we say? not in your fucking dreams. And that's exactly where this team is, is right in the middle where we thought they would be. And um, so there's plenty of things that we predicted out of the season that have really kind of come to fruition. You know, it's they, they're the average team we thought they would be. But the thing that I did not predict them to be is ever good score scoring, gore goal scoring. Jesus Christ, Richie, I'm on the downturn tonight. Goal scoring team because of the fact that um, it, it was it was one of the large talking points that everyone had against the Coyotes. It was um, I, and it's funny to see everyone kind of shitting on Taylor Hall on the side part of this is. Uh, they're like, after, you know, Taylor Hall wasn't coming back, where are they going to make up that goal scoring? And um, we had said there's a lot of secondary players that can make up that scoring if they really, you know, if they really present themselves in that way. And I think that's what we're finally starting to see here. And so it's nice to actually see that effort coming out and see that possibility actually coming to fruition when we knew that the, the talent and the possibility was there. It just never got there. They are scoring 2.68 goals per game this season, which is 21st in the NHL this year. A little bit lower than they were last year at 2.71 goals per game, but that's pretty damn similar. So, not too surprising there, but like we talked about at the beginning of the season, if the Coyotes are going to be a team that can score three goals per game on a consistent basis, they're going to be a tough team to beat. They beat, they scored three goals again tonight. They probably should have won that game, right? If the Coyotes score three goals per game, you take that and you say, we're probably going to win most of the time. I think it was uh, Alex Kimkoff earlier in the game after the Coyotes scored that third goal and he had the stat about when the Coyotes score three or more goals this season that they are really tough to beat. And so let me see if I can scroll through here. Okay, so I'll include tonight's game here. The Coyotes are 18-3-2 this year when scoring three or more goals. That's pretty fucking impressive. So I feel like tonight's going to be the anomaly. But the question is now, can they replicate it and continue the hot offense against the Golden Knights and against some of these other teams. Now, they proved they can score five goals against the Colorado Avalanche. They did that, or four goals, I guess. 
than the shootout winner. So they proved that they can do that, obviously, and score up against the big boys. So maybe they continue that. So there's your positivity with this team for for now as they, again, they will play next on Friday against the Vegas Golden Knights on the road. Um, I'm still mad at them that they didn't beat the Blues on Wednesday, folks, okay? How dare they ruin our nights? For a while, they, we were fans of yours, Vegas. We loved it. You guys beat St. Louis the game before, and we were like, yes, yes. Thank you, Vegas. We love you. We knew we always loved you. And then well, they- you noticed- you notice my timing when I finally called them out for being wrong was tonight. Yes. <laughs> then they had to go I, and ruin it. It's been, I've been holding that in for weeks. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, anyway, um, that should wrap it up for our Coyotes conversation. We didn't have, oh, yeah, we were going to have do a sporty question. Should we get to the sporty question to wrap up the show? Absolutely. So tonight's sporty question was inspired by one of my observations today going about my day. Now, prior to um, watching the Coyotes game, I decided to make a stop at Dutch Bros, one of my favorite coffee establishments in the Valley of the Sun. If you haven't been there before, they're not a sponsor of the program, but I feel like they should be because I still have... I still have some cold brew left. I still have plenty of it left. I think I'm going to save it for tomorrow. But I always, almost, I almost always, when going to Dutch Bros, am fascinated by the amount of people who go through the drive-through at Dutch Bros instead of just going to the walk-up window. Because oftentimes at Dutch Bros, they're very busy at pretty much every location you go to, and the drive-through line is like backed up like a dozen cars deep. Every time, which almost guarantees you at least a 25 or 30 minute wait for coffee. And that's ridiculous. So I'm like, all right, I'm never going through the drive through line. I always go to the walk up window. I'm in and out in less than 10 minutes. And it was and it's great. And so that led me to tonight's sporty question, which is, do you pr- prefer the drive through or the walk in or going into the restaurant to get your food if you're getting takeout? Right. And this can, I asked that question, like, ar- across the board. So it can be any restaurant. It could be McDonald's. It could be In-N-Out Burger. It can be Taco Bell. Whatever. Whatever your go-to establishment is. Which do you prefer, the drive through or the walk-up? And I would like to add in a reply I got from Alex Kinkoff agreeing with me. And he also brought up, that he always, when going to In-N-Out Burger, always goes inside to order instead of going through the drive-thru, which I would also recommend people do because um, the drive-thru at In-N-Out also ridiculously long, and you'll be waiting 35 minutes for your burger, and that's never fun. So I voted for, I ended up voting for um, through, through, through walk-in, almost always. What's really funny is that Isha put underneath the, uh, underneath on there, oh man, so many stories. I do know of one story where his friends would steal McDonald's in the drive-thru. So I'm wondering if that's what he's referring to. Um, so in that case, I'm sure he would lean towards drive-thru. Um, I think it's highly dependent. So... Um, 
as as a female at least if i'm scrubbing it and i am just wanting to get some starbucks because i'm tired and i just don't want anyone to see me i'm not getting out of the car for anything i'll wait in the line i'm not getting out of the car it's a little bit more flexible now that with covid and i can just wear like a hat sunglasses and a mask and go completely incognito mm -hmm. there's more of a chance in that regard but then at the same time i have to stand around people and be around people and like actually be somewhat part of society so that's also depending on whether I'm in the mood for that. Sometimes if I haven't had my coffee, I don't want to be around anyone. I don't like anyone being in my space. I'm one of those people that like, even after COVID's over, like, please stay six feet away from me. I'm, I'm that type of person. Um, but I think it's highly dependent. It would drive me insane though, too, to wait that long in a drive through when you can just go in and get it. But I guess if I'm being completely honest, Usually, if someone makes that call, it's Scotty. It's not me. Scotty is usually the one that's like, oh, let's just go inside. I'm like, if I've already gotten into the line, I've committed to the line. I really shouldn't, though. I'm now starting to second guess my own choices. But I really don't. If I'm going to a drive through place, I'm going there because it's drive through and I don't have to go inside. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Like, if you're... And I see where you say it's dependent because a lot of times I'll make my decision on how long the drive through line is. Yeah. So that that's, too. that's very, that's very much a thing. Like if it's one car, okay, well I'll just do the drive through. If it's more than one car, I'll go, I'll go inside. Right. And, uh, but I, I generally like getting out of the car and going inside because I feel like I'm too, I don't want to like, if I, I don't want to stay in the car and be lazy. I want to like get out and like use my legs like, <laughs> like a non-lazy human being. Well, and, but also that's partially you though, too. When we would go on long trips, you would, we would stop at the gas station, you know, like most people just kind of go for like a little bit of walk, stretch and everything. Uh, Richie would kind of like jog in place. Like that's, that's, that's your thing. You kind of have to get like your energy out. Yes. I usually, if I'm waiting in line for something, I, I mean, like again, it depends if it's like, I'm waiting in the morning for coffee, I'm tired and I don't want to get out of the fucking car. If I'm getting in and out in the middle of the day, then yeah, I'll get in my car and then go and get some in and out inside. But then if it's, like everything else is closed, it's 1 a.m. and I need some in and out, I'm not getting out of the car. So again, I think it's kind of dependent. Like after I got my COVID shot, my first COVID shot, it was like 1230 or some shit. I got it on the, like the first day it came out. So like uh, it was an obscene time at night when I got it. And, um, and so when I was doing that, there's there's no way in hell I would have gotten out of the car. Because I'm just like, I'm tired. I just want some food. I don't want to interact with people. So I guess it's super, super dependent. But I could see both sides. drive throughs are never going away, though. Because people, the American people, as a general rule, very lazy. <laughs> very lazy. So. Which, which 
gives me another question. Like, this is something that drives me absolutely insane. Like, I get it when it's, like, 115 outside and, and it's really fucking hot. But in general, does it drive you insane? Because it drives me insane. People who will wait 10 hours for a front parking spot, like, sit there, wait for the person to pack all their shit up in their car, get in their car, back out, and just so they can get a front parking spot rather than parking back further? Yes. And that's why I always, you know this too, I always park as far away as I possibly can. Even if there are open spots, I'm like, fuck this, I'm just going to hike the extra two minutes and I'm perfectly fine. Like, I just keep keep me as far away as possible. I'm the same way. Like, I'd much rather park away from people and just walk all the way into whatever store I'm going into. I'm, I'm walking into the store. What's the difference between me walking in the parking lot? Ex- yeah, exactly. Maybe that will be next week's sporty question is like, what are your biggest pet peeves of some sort? And we can do that. And we'll make that the sporty question for Monday. Oh, gosh. I feel like people are going to have some interesting pet peeves. I feel like pet peeves are very similar to fetishes. There's some weird shit out there. Yep. Yep. One, 100%. Yeah, we won't do the, the fetishes sporty question for fuck's sakes. Jesus, I'm... No. Can you imagine if we No, did? but like some, some people, like, literally, like, their pet peeve is, like, the way people swallow. You know, it's, like, something really, like, small and weird like that. It's... it's it, That's why, to me, it's, like, it's the opposite of, like, a fetish. It's some people, there's little tiny things that people do that, that bother them. Right, right. I can see that. That's a good that's a good comparison there. So yeah, be on the lookout for that on the Monday episode, Sporty Nation. The trade deadline special. That's what we're gonna call it. That's because it'll be the pre trade deadline edition of the of this particular show. All right, uh, I think that's gonna wrap up the show. Do you have any last words, Corey, before we say goodbye? Um so we we did get to dedicate a show to Jacob Chikrin. Did we get to dedicate a show dedicate a show to bunting? No, we did not. You're right. We No, that's right cuz we didn't record so this is our first show since he scored the hat trick. So, please, yeah, give Michael Bunting all the credit in the world cuz he's been quite fun to watch in his first several games of the year this so far, including the hat trick in his ninth NHL game. Yes, wonderful and amazing, and we are now going to be dedicating this show to you. I'm sorry that it started with um, a lot of negative Kings Coyotes talk, but, you know, um, you still at least deserve a an episode dedication because uh, we dedicated one to Jacob Chikrin. You deserve one just in the same regard, and probably even more in the fact that uh, it was not expected and that was a lot of that was a lot of balls in that game to really pull out that that hat trick whether the third one was controversial or not it, it was it's a lot and it's really cool honestly to see these kids coming in and like coming up from the AHL and really doing well like between him and Connor Garland I think 
it just honestly proves that you can come from Tucson and come play in the, in the NHL. And if you really show that you can play well, it speaks volumes. And they have been almost playing better than the players that were here from the beginning of the season. Yep. So shout out to Michael Bunting. He deserves it. I'm sorry we didn't spend more time talking, but I was pretty, pretty impressive what he did. All three goals. Has more goals than Taylor Hall this year. So there's a little fun fact, courtesy of our friend Kat, of course, <laughs> who texted us that the other day. But anyway, yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. If you're following us on Twitter, you see we're doing a giveaway. That's kind of a competition with our friends at the Quack Report, uh, the Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can win a piece of merch if you are listening to our show right now and you take a second and you leave a review on our show, you could win a piece of merch. All you got to do is, leave, again, leave a review, put your Twitter handle in the review, and you are entered to win a piece of merch, courtesy of the Hockey Podcast Network. So follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show for that. Follow us on the on Instagram at Corey Richie Show. Follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow me at rflores91. Download the DraftKings app, promo code THPN. And we will talk to you again on our trade deadline special on Monday. Good night and good hockey, everybody.